there was this um this grandfather and he had his little granddaughter on his lap and he's um he's reading to her and he's reading stories to her and she's sitting up on his lap just looking into his eyes adoring him and she just kept touching his face feeling his wrinkly skin and just loving him and looking at his face and then she started to touch her own face and he's reading and he's wondering what thoughts are going through her mind and she touched his wrinkly face and then she touched her own face and look at him with adoring eyes and she said finally she said grandfather did god make you and he said oh yes darling god made me a long time ago and she felt her little face and she said Grandfather, did God make me? And he said, oh, yes, but he made you not so long ago. And she said, oh, he is getting better at it, isn't he? (laughs) I love the innocence of children. And I think God has always spoken to me through my own kids and through kids and through incredible circumstances. And I happen to have four daughters that are very, very prophetic. And they, they see in the spirit and they see things. And I remember the day that I was actually called, the first time that I was actually called into ministry when God started to say, you're called to full-time ministry, just nice and quiet. And um, this lady had seen me singing at a Christian women's meeting. And she came up to me afterwards. She said, I've got a word for you, but I can't give it to you until God releases me. Don't you hate that? Like, why tell me in the first place? Like, anyway... So she got my phone number and she said, when God releases me, I'll ring you. You know, it went like three months by. And every time the phone rang, I was like, you know, I love hearing from God. And finally, this day, the phone rang, I pick it up, it's her. And I just went, I'm holding my breath. You know what? I know this woman. She's a recognized prophetic ministry. I'm freaking out. What's God going to say? And just quieter with the music, please, especially on stage. And she said to me, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And just get quiet in your spirit. And I got quiet in my spirit. And she said, you know, God sees you as a jewel. And I knew straight away that was God speaking to me because that's what my dad, my earthly dad, used to call me, J-E-W-E-L. That was his nickname, Jules. And so she said, God sees you as a jewel. And he just wants to wrap you up in cotton wool and put you in a little box and keep you safe. And he just... Every now and again, he wants to just open that box, unwrap the cotton wool, have a look at you, and then just put you back in and keep you really safe in there. But, there's always a but, but there's an evil enemy out there, and he's destroying God's people. And so God wants to send you out into the darkest places, and he wants to send you out to bring the light of God, and you're going to set the captives free. You're going to release prisoners from darkness. And wherever you go, the enemy will be bound on people's lives. He sends you out into a dark place, but you'll go as a light. And I'm like, wow. And then she says, but, I love buts that are positive, buts. But, don't be afraid. For today, he has assigned special angels that will walk with you, walk with your family, and walk with your children. You need not be afraid. For his angels will protect you wherever you go, and they will be with you. And I hung up the phone, and I was like just so overwhelmed with God. I felt like hot oil was coming. I was like a commissioning. And I went out on my back porch, as you do, 
and laid out on my back porch like this, just feeling the presence of God all around me, just knowing that this was a sacred time and a sacred moment. And I think Jamie was about three years old at the time. And I'm just, Jamie was here singing tonight and she's like just turned 21 now. And she was about three and I was just laying out in the presence of God and she came running out and she got down on her hands and knees and she whispered in my ear, it's okay, mummy, they're here. And I went, open one eye like, who's here? The angels. They told me to tell you that they're here. It's okay. I just, I blew me out. Like, it was just like, you mean you actually said you were going to send angels and they actually came? Like, so amazing. I just want to read this scripture to you tonight from Psalm 91. I'm going to, I'm going to have a look at it in a minute in the Amplified, but let's read it in the NIV together. We'll read it up on the screen. And I really want you to take these words into your spirit. Thanks. We have it. We have it. Oh, look at this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. And it's not flowing. Okay. I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified because it says it so well in here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, on him I I lean and rely, and in him I confidently trust. For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then he will cover you with his wings, and under his wings shall you find, sorry, shall you trust and find refuge His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror of night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that fly by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil before you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent, for he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany you, to defend you, and to preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, because she has set her love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he knows and understands my name, 
and has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness, trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never, ever, ever forsake him. He shall call upon me, and I will answer. And I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. We live in rather unstable days. And many of us have come from unstable days. Amen. You know, the Bible says there that you will remain fixed and stable as you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And in the last days, the the word of God says there'll be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. I mean, it seems like just about every day now, you just like, like before, if there was an earthquake or something like, you know, it would be like news here, news there, and they'd be following it and all television would stop and, you know, just be like, we're just going to focus on this tragedy that's happened and everybody's going to, you know, but it's now, it's like, unless it's like, you know, thousands of people dying it's just like oh yeah and there was an earthquake and a little flash you know yeah there was just another one last week I guess you know maybe most people don't know that where was that one Taiwan anybody here have an earthquake in Taiwan yeah because 15 people died it's only 15 doesn't make news but it seems like there's more and more and more of this happening and in the midst of an unstable place in the midst of instability We have to know that more and more we need to learn to dwell in the secret place. You know, it's like a bubble. The secret place is like a place where you can go in God, where you are totally protected and sheltered no matter what. I mean, it's not going to stop stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's a place to hide. It's a hiding place. Like that song said, my hiding place, my safe refuge. My shelter, Lord, you are. And that's what he is, that secret place. You know, as children, we hide under the sheets. Who used to hide under the sheets? You know, especially at night, if you felt there was a boogeyman in the room. You know, or who just couldn't hang their hand out the bed in case the boogeyman under the bed would get you and grab your hand, pull you under, you know. So, you know, you used to just hide. But, you know, you don't need to hide under sheets. You know, you don't need to hide. You can find this secret place in God. And I was thinking about it. Without the secret place to dwell, this is what life can be. So we need to understand this secret place, learn to live in it. Life can be totally unstable. As I said a minute ago, things are unstable. world is unstable. Your marriage is unstable. Your kids are unstable. Your life is unstable. Your job is unstable. Your car may be unstable as well. Everything around, you know, depending what you're driving, of course. If you're driving a Ford, it may not be because I like Fords. But I drive a Toyota because I have to. And now he wants me to get another ute. I can't understand it. We have a ute. But we have to have a bigger ute so we can tow a caravan now. I have to give up my Sportiva and drive another ute. No. This is not the way you do romance. Yeah. And breakfast in the morning sounds amazing. I get all the rest. You give me all the rest. Probably flowers you're a bit down on. And let's just go public with this. And breakfast. Come on. Tomorrow morning. I can smell it now. The toast, the tea. It's coming up the stairs. And there's a red rose that he's nicked from the neighbors. It's there. I can see it all. And I'll be all yours, darling. I'll be all yours. 
Easy, easy one over. Instability. The next thing that the, uh, the, the world is, is unpredictable. You know, like, you know, it just sneaks up on you. Things just sneak up on you and happen and, and chaos happens and stuff happens and you're not ready for it, you're not prepared. And, you know, it's just like, it's like you're being dragged around. Another thing it is, is unsafe. You know, without the dwelling place of God, you know, you can feel really, really unsafe. I know there's times in my own life where I just, you know, I may neglect this secret place and I just, you know, I just, you know, I'll be praying, you know, but I don't get in to that place because I'm going to explain to you later. It takes some quality time to get in this place. You know, it's just not, you know, uh, drive through Macca's prayer on the run. You know, it, take, it takes commitment and relationship. And there's times where I, you know, I get busy and I let that go and I can feel it. I feel that I start to get a little anxious. I can feel that I start to feel a little unsafe. I can feel that I start to feel a little unstable, unpredictable. And the next thing I start to feel is uncontrollable. It's like, you know, circumstances are starting to get out of control and I feel like I haven't got a handle on it. You know what I'm saying? The next thing is unfocused. I start to lose vision. I start to lose, you know, true north. Where's true north? Where's true north? I get unfocused. And then I find that things are unachievable. You know, things that normally when I'm in the dwelling place of God and in the presence of God that I can just like do like that, you know, like, you know, like a wedding yesterday, a 21st last night, worship leading this morning and preaching tonight. It's just like, yeah. I, this is so, I feel refreshed, like Phil said. You know, I feel totally refreshed. I could just go again and do all that all over again because I've been in the secret place of the Most High. Things just get unreachable. It's just like they're just out of reach. And then your life becomes unrestrained. You know, fleshly thoughts, impurities come. There's, there's unrestrained feelings and unrestrained desires and your eyes and, your, and, and all, your, all your life starts to become unrestrained. It's like, I want this and I want that and I want that, but I know they're not good for me, but, you know, I'm unrestrained because I haven't been in that place with God. And then you become unruly. It's like lawlessness. It's like I'm outside of the law of God. You become unruly and stuff just happens. It's not a good place to be. You know, it's one thing to believe in God and be born again, and that's so cool. I love that. And I was just speaking to Courtney before, and I'm just so stoked, Courtney, that you're back in church a week after she's been born again, like she's back. And I love that because it ta- I said to her, you get born again, and then there's like a little war that goes on over your life where you've got to make choices where friends will say things and people will get around your life, and it seems for a minute to get worse. But then you realize that if you just stick it out, if you just learn that God is with you, if God is you can be against you and you nut it out and you come to church the second week and you get breakthrough, don't you, Courtney? And you get a hug from the pastor as well. And that's really good. It's one thing to believe in God and be born again. But we're born again, not just so that we have a ticket to heaven, you know. We're born again and as Pastor Phil said so beautifully this morning, for a relationship. Yeah, that was amazing this morning, by the way. You were amazing. Oh, wow. If you weren't here this morning, you need to get that CD or download it or do something. 
Uh, he was amazing. I couldn't take my eyes off you, actually. Actually, you don't have to make breakfast. You got me already. Check out the webpage. Yeah, check it out. Listen, I've wrapped you up enough. Just be quiet. <laughs> now? But he said it this morning. He said, we're born again to come into a relationship with God. You know what I mean? The whole deal, the whole deal is the fact that we were separated from God and that we're born again so that God can then walk again with us in the garden, that God can get close to us, that God can be near us, that God can be our father. You know, we're like just a bunch of kids that are estranged from our father. And when we're born again, back into his kingdom, back into his arms, it's like our dad, our real dad. Do you know that your dad, your heavenly dad, is really like not your real dad? I mean, your earthly dad is not your real dad. No, no, he's just, you're on loan to him. I mean, you know, you came out of his loins and all that kind of stuff. But actually, it was God who made you. Actually, your real father is in heaven. I think one of the kids said that to me one day. It was Gemma. Yeah, she came and she said to me, no, she said to you, you're not my real dad. Um, And he went, really? (laughs) Looks at me like... No, you're not my real dad. No, no, I've actually got other dads. Yeah. You know, I've got Abraham. Yeah. And then I've got God. He's my dad. And like, you're just looking after me for a while while I'm here. And so, in in fact, that's true. That's absolutely true. So when you're born again, it's like the father that has been estranged from you. But however long it took you to get born again, like, You imagine, like, for me, like, from a baby to 21, for 21 years, like, my dad is crying out for me. My father is in heaven just longing to just get his little jewel and put her in a little box and admire her and have a relationship with her and talk to her and kiss her on the cheek at night and sit on her bed and watch her sleep and and talk with her every day and learn about her life and what she's doing and be involved You know what I mean? Like my dad was waiting for that for 21 years. Can you imagine what he felt like when I finally, my eyes were opened, when his son Jesus came to me and said, guess what? You got a dad and he's just absolutely passionately in love with you and he wants to come and he wants to watch over you and protect you and keep you safe and love you and lead you, and guide you, and create all that he's created you to be, he wants you to become. It's just like, it's all good. I mean, why would we run away from a God like that, who loves us like that? And he's calling us into this place to dwell with him, to have relationship with him. He's asking us to come into the intimate knowledge of what it feels like when he's in the room. You know, I, I remember when I was born again and I'd seen Jesus' face and I knew what he looked like, what he smelt like, what the room felt like when he was in the room. I knew what I felt like when he was around. And then after that experience, I went looking for him in church. And of course, I was in Asia, so there was limited church. But I walked into this church, everybody stand up, sitting down, stand up, sitting down, little incense going on. And I, I wasn't used to church. I didn't know church. I thought all churches were the same. 
And I'm looking at them doing all this stuff. I'm standing at the back. I'm thinking, what the heck? What are they doing? I don't know what they're doing or who they're doing it to, but he is not here. The one that I saw is not here. And I remember the first time that Phil and I walked into a a Pentecostal church like our church, and I didn't know they even existed, and we walked in together, and I just went, yes! And he said, what is it? I said, he's here! He's here! You know, I was singing that song this morning, you know, that song in kids' church, God's not dead. No, he is alive! You don't know. Does anybody know that song? I feel him all over me. I feel him in the air. What's that right? Feel him in the street. Feel him in the church. Feel him in the house, home. And I feel him all over me. And then he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. God's not dead. No. You're supposed to, yeah. No. He is alive. Yeah. I feel him. You know, this church is an experiential church. You're not supposed to just know about God. You're supposed to experience him. It's about experiencing God. I mean, what kind of relationship would Phil and I have if I just knew him? But I never experienced him. I never let him come close to me enough that I could look into his eyes and know who he was and the deep parts of his inner being and his soul. Sometimes it's so scary. When I look in his eyes, it's like, well, that's enough. Because it's like you see yourself, you see into someone's soul. It's like, that's so heavy. It's like, wow. And imagine that, that God wants to come that close to you and he wants you to dwell in this secret place. It's a secret place. Why is it a secret place? Because you know what's different for each one of us. It's your secret. You know, I said to a lady that was born again this morning, she said, you know, because her girlfriend was there and she was born again too, and she was going, oh, you know, it was so exciting. I got this vision of God and I saw this and I saw this and, and God came and he showed me the Garden of Eden and I saw my mother who had gone to heaven and she was in the garden and she was just like so blown out. And this other lady who was obviously like more of a cognitive thinker, she just goes, see, I don't get that. I totally don't get that. And, and it's like, like, what don't you get? I don't get that she sees things like that and, and, and I don't. Like, does that mean I didn't get born again this morning? And I said, no, you don't understand. I have four kids, right? And now one granddaughter. And I know that I have to treat each one of them differently because they are completely unique human beings. And their special place with me, their special time with me is amazingly unique. Like Jamie's most special place when she was a kid was McDonald's. She would do anything for me if I say, let's go have breakfast at McDonald's together. And we would sit there and have breakfast at McDonald's and she would just talk her head off and I'd have this time with her, right? And every one of my girls is different like that. And you have to read them and read individual people to know that the secret place or the special place for each individual person is completely different. I could say to you, come on, everybody come into the garden with me. It's gorgeous. And it's like, What? Like, gardeners just don't do that for me. Sorry. You know? And then someone will say, oh, I was riding a horse. And I go, I hate horses. 
Not really, but don't like writing them. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Neil might say, yeah, I was on my surfboard and I'm just like riding the waves. Everybody's going, salt water, me, just don't mix. You know, get, just give me a pool. You know what I mean? It's like there's a secret place and it's secret to you. And he will come where you are. He will meet you where you are. You don't have to be this super spiritual freaky person that has to have visions and all this weird stuff going on to say that God met with you. You know when he's there and you know when he's not. You know when he's there and you know when he's not. And as you practice coming into this place, you get the handle of it as how he comes for you. Amen? And where he comes for you and how he speaks to you and the names that he might say and the things that he might say to you and the feelings that he might give you are specifically unique for you because every one of us is completely uniquely made by him and he knows everything about you. Everything. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you're thinking before you think of it. He knows what you say before you say it. He knows when you're going to get up. He knows when you're going to lay down. He knows everything. You know what I mean? And if a God who knows everything about you, surely he knows how to come to you and build relationship with you. He's seeking relationship with you. Now, you see, it says here, if you dwell in the secret place, you remain stable under the shadow of the Almighty. And I was just checking out this before, and I was just wondering, like, is Scotty here? I need a tall person. Is Scotty here? Scotty, run to me. Run. Oh, he's lovely. Stand up here, Scotty, where everyone can see. Cast me a shadow, friend. Over here. Now, you've got to stand there with your back. Okay, go down a step. Yeah. Now, can you see that Scotty's shadow is cut? Who can see it? Stand up and have a look if you can't. Can you see it? Like Scotty's shadow, like I'm just going to jump on his head. Stay still. I just jumped on Scotty's head. And so the Bible talks about staying under the shadow of the Almighty, that he will cover you with his shadow, under his shadow. So if I'm going to be in someone's shadow... then I've got to be pretty close. Is that right? And I know God's big and his shadow probably expands universes, but I want to be in his shadow. I need to be close to him. And then I want you to just move for me. Yeah. See that? And so I want to stay there. Oh, God, I want to dwell here with you. I want to stay with you. I want to stay here under your shadow. I want to be in your shadow. Under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. Thanks, Almighty. (laughs) Almighty Scotty. And then all these protection and blessings will be yours as you stay in this place. Look at this. Stability. No matter what goes on around you, you have stability. Predictability. You have prophetic insight. God will speak to you. Don't go there. Don't go here. Stay away from that. Don't go near them. God will begin to get around you and give you predictability. He gives you safety. Angelic hosts come about you, as I said in that story earlier. 
He gives you safety. The Bible says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. It's so cool. I was just saying to Garth just then that I used to have a fear of flying. And I mean, I have flown a lot. I used to fly every two weeks to another destination when I was in show business. And I, I just would freak out every time I just sit there, just going, I just want to get on the ground. I hate being up here. I hate feeling like, you know, like just that could come off and I'm just exposed to everything. And I just sit and I had a real fear of flying. And then the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, don't you know that I command my angels concerning you? And I was flying to a conference only in Queensland, mind you, but I've got to sit near the window and I've just got to hold on. It's like, look out the window. It's all right. It's okay. Look out there. Oh God, don't look down. Look up. And I'm like that. And then I just see this beautiful angelic face because I see, it's all right if you don't see, I see. And I see this beautiful angelic face just go, just in the windows. And he's flying along beside me. It's like, and all the fear just went, the years of fear, just like, oh, okay. He flies. If I fall out of here, you catch me. We're all good. It's better than Superman. You know, he flies. These angels are around you. And the other thing that you have is control. Not life out of control. You get a handle on your life. It's horrible when life is living you and you're not living life. Do you know what I mean? Like life is just gone. And you're just like trying to catch up and being tossed and turned and, you know, just thrown around by life and circumstances. But you need to have control of your life. And many of us try and take control of our own lives and we shut God out. But actually, if we let God in, he helps us gain control. He, he says, oh, give us the steering wheel. You know, let dad drive this car. Let dad drive the car. Just sit in the passenger seat. And suddenly it's like, I've got control of my life and I've not even got the steering wheel. It's like God's driving me around. The next thing you have is focus, peace in your mind, not confusion. There's nothing worse than confusion and being unfocused. You'll have achievable goals, reachable dreams, and a restrained lifestyle. And most importantly, you'll have rulership. You know, when you spend time in the presence of Almighty God, when you spend time with a king, you find out that you are a princess or a prince pretty quickly. You find out that you are actually that you are actually an authority in your life, that you have rulership over your own life because you've been in the presence of a king. And just like Belinda at her wedding yesterday when she walked down that aisle, I thought, God, you're so beautiful. You've taken this little girl who probably didn't even really like herself very much and you have made her a princess today in the midst of everybody. You know what I mean? And God will do that as you dwell in his presence in this secret place. There's a condition to this, and the NIV says this, Psalm 91.9 says this, if, everyone say if, if you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge. You can't just say, yeah, I believe in God, so I've just got all this stuff going on for me. Yeah, he will look after you, but he's going to teach you to dwell. He's going to teach you to come back in close to him, in his shadow, in the dwelling place of God. It says, if you make the Lord your dwelling. Dwelling is spending time, quality time, 
You can't just visit. You have to dwell. This. Anybody ever get like thirsty? I mean, for natural water, you know, natural water. Anybody thirsty right now? Okay, if you're thirsty right now, you are actually dehydrated. Yeah. Because when you start to feel thirsty, your body is already dehydrated. You should be drinking all the time so your body never gets into a state of dehydration. Amen? And so when you, when you get thirsty, you have a drink, and you realize, oh, my gosh, I, my body needs this. And your body starts to go, more, can I have some more? Can I have another drink? Can you just give me some more? An hour later, you want to drink again, and you want to drink again, and you want to drink again. Because your body is crying out and it's had to be like a camel and store stuff in your body just so you can survive and keep your brain functioning even without water. You see? But then if you're anything like me, you drink, you drink, and it's great. And then you forget to drink. And then you get thirsty again and you realize that you're already dehydrated again and you've got to start the whole cycle all over again. And that's what it's like with God, you know. We get... We get with him on a Sunday. We get in his presence. We dwell in this place. We have a drink. We feel refreshed. We realize that we were really thirsty, probably dehydrated. And then we go back to Monday and we just get into our normal lives. And we, just, we don't dwell with God anymore. We might say a quick prayer as we run out the door. We might say a quick prayer because, or, or just averted an accident. Or we might say a quick prayer, Lord, make those lights change or give me a parking spot, you know, or whatever, you know, sort out these kids, or whatever it is, you know, but we don't dwell. And so it's like, you know, it's just like we're, 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 we're having that quick drink, but we're not really getting refreshed or rehydrated. So dwelling is basically, it's dependence versus independence, and when we, when we live our lives according to our independence, we live our lives away from God. And we do all of our life away from God and then we come in on a Sunday or, no, you know, once in a while and we just, now I'll dwell with you, God. But you can't be in all my life. You can't be in everything that I do. You can't dwell with me. And so independence is this, that I say, God, I am totally, completely dependent on you. Dependence is dependent on God. And I know that if I don't have a dwelling place every morning, that my life gets out of control, unstable, crazy. I know every morning, it only takes like, I can do it in 10 minutes because I've gotten myself used to having a drink and I'm not dehydrated. Do you know what I'm saying? And so when I get up in the morning, I've set my time that I do that, that I get up earlier than when I have to wake the kids up for school. I get up earlier and I go downstairs and I get my Bible out and I sit in his presence and I dwell with him. I spend quality time with him at the beginning of every day. And in that dwelling place, in this secret place that I found in him, that's where I find refuge stability. This is where I remain stable and fixed in the bubble or the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me encourage you this week. Let me encourage you. 
Learn to dwell. Learn to take time. Learn to spend time and build a relationship with your Heavenly Father every day. Every day. And I promise you that all these promises in this Psalm 91 will be yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.